Welcome to Perfecting the Formula. My name is Mahesh. And this is Juan. And welcome to the post-race episode for the Spanish Grand Prix. I mean, it wasn't the most boring race of the year. Uh, thanks, Baku. Uh, I mean, it wasn't riveting, but, you know, it was there. And so, Juan, and let's start off uh, the episode on the right foot. What's your one word to describe the race? So far, I like hyphenated words. Um, I'm going to say alternate routes. Ah, Grosjean, Grosjean. We'll get into that, I'm sure, during the race, uh, during our coverage of the race. <laughs> uh, for me, I guess the one word would be uh, Mercedes, I guess. That's my one word. It's a proper noun. And it's just been the theme, another one-two for Mercedes. They're on their way to a perfect season. So standard affair there. So let's jump right in for our surprises for the race. Um, my, Me right off the... Oh, oh wait, before we do surprises... Obviously, we have to go through the results of the race. I skipped a step. I'm, 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 I'm recovering from Mother's Day. I don't know what I'd be recovering from, but I'm recovering from Mother's Day for some reason. Uh, so let's go ahead and start off with race results. In first place, we have Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes. Second place, Valtteri Bottas for Mercedes. Third place, Max Verstappen with Red Bull. Fourth place, Sebastian Vettel with Ferrari. Fifth place, Charles Leclerc with Ferrari. Sixth place, Pierre Gasly with Red Bull. Seventh place, Kevin Magnussen with Haas. Eighth place, Carlos Sainz with McLaren. Ninth place, Danny Cafiat with Scuderia Toro Rosso. And tenth place is Haas. And if we jump over to the driver's standings for the championship, in first place, we have one Lewis Hamilton with 112 points. In second place, Valtteri Bottas with 105 points. In third place, Max Verstappen with 66 points. In fourth place, Sebastian Vettel with 64 points. In fifth place, Charles Leclerc with 57 points. And in sixth place, Pierre Gasly with 21 points. The top six or the top three teams have all of their drivers in the top six for the standings. The only real major thing of note here is that Max Verstappen is ahead of both of the Ferraris in the trans, in the driver standings. And if we hop over to constructor, in first place we have Mercedes with 217 points. And then in second place, we have Ferrari with 121 points. So a 96-point difference. And in third place, we have Red Bull Racing, which is only 34 points behind Ferrari, which isn't a lot at all. With 87 points. 87 fan. Oh, my God. Stop. No one gets the reference. Uh, 87 points. And then um, what's... And, of course, the battle that everyone actually cares about is fourth place, the best of the rest, is mclaren Renault with uh, 22 points. So those were the standings. Um, now come the actual standings. And you people will catch on once I finish them. But here are the actual race results. In first place, we have Kevin Magnuson with Haas. In second place, we have Carlos Sainz with McLaren. And in third place, we have Danny Cafiat. Uh, Toro Rosso rounding out the podium. Right behind the podium, we have Roman Grosjean for Haas. In fifth place, we have Alexander Albon. In sixth place, we have Danny Ricardo. In seventh place, we have Nico Hulkenberg. In eighth place, we have Kimi Raikkonen. In ninth place, we have Sergio Perez. And in tenth place, we have Antonio Giovinazzi. In the driver's standings, in first place, we have Kevin Magnussen. In second place, we have Sergio Perez. And in third place, we have Kimi Raikkonen. All of them only separated by one point, so the driver's championship is still anyone's game. In the Constructors' Championship, in first place, we have McLaren-Renault. In second place, we have Racing Point. And in third place, we have Haas. Haas is starting to make a comeback with this race pace, as they showed. So let's see who can bring home the Constructors' standings. This is what I'm going to do for every single one of these Formula One races now. Because this is the point to where I'm at. Pretty much, but also at least... Actually, we could start going on to the surprises. All right, yeah, so surprises for the race. Uh, my big one is 
not so much of a surprise as something we we thought would happen throughout the rest of the races, but finally happened this race. Haas has been struggling to convert qualifying and practicing pace into actual race pace. And while Grosjean did end up going down a couple spots, which could be possibly blamed on his teammate, um, Kevin Magnussen did finish um, seventh, which is best of the rest. So um, first place, I mean. So <laughs> great, great job by Kevin Magnussen. I think we saw some solid race pace from these guys. Good passing, good defending. So um, I think that good good performance by Haas overall. Uh, thoughts? Uh, what about you, Juan? Well, one of the surprises I'm actually really proud of the Formula One actually showing proper coverage of the actual racing in the series because uh, at least the last 15 laps were semi spicy. At least they focus on the actual movement of the track. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Uh, definitely. Definitely a good thing that they're finally doing that. Um, you know, uh, they needed to do co- coverage of the midfield because the only interesting things were the Ferraris tripping over themselves, which we'll get to later. Um, other surprises? Uh, I mean, nothing really. Oh, McLaren did a good job, I think. That was my only other surprise. Uh, P8. Uh, Science was really happy about that. You mean second place? Ah, yes, 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 of course. Uh, McLaren came in second. You know, they're really hoping for that race to win nowadays. But, uh, yeah, no, good, solid eighth-place performance. Uh, I think Science was really excited about that. I mean, they're really climbing back up. As we noted, they're fourth first in the driver's or constructor standings, or fourth, actually. And, I mean, they're the best of the rest right now. And so I think that they're showing solid performance. I don't think Renault and Haas were expecting this at all. Uh, but very solid comeback performance by them, making the... Best of the rest, very competitive now. So it's not just a Renault and Haas. It's not a two-horse race anymore. All right. So away from the midfield, let's look up back up front. I was surprised how Gasly semi-held it together throughout this race, unlike most of the other times. He was under threat from Kevin Magnussen. I'm going to go ahead and say that was not a good performance by Gasly. His teammate finished third. He finished sixth. The only top three team that didn't have their drivers right next to each other was Red Bull. Mercedes finished 1-2, Ferrari finished 4-5. Gasly was way off of Verstappen's pace as usual. I mean, bonus points. You finished in the top six, but that's what you're supposed to be doing all season. Which, this is the second time actually doing it in this season. Out of the five races, he DNF'd twice, and the other time he finished in uh, eighth place. I mean, Pierre Gasly's seat is up for grabs, so I think that's time to shift into our disappointments in this race. Uh, first disappointment for, for me is Alfa Romeo. I think they were showing that they were going to be a strong midfield team, and their pace was nowhere at Spain, which was kind of disappointing because they were actually doing pretty well at testing here, and I think that that shows that maybe they've had uh, development issues. And so Alfa Romeo's pace was really disappointing for me. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, so actually... Um, I'll t- Kimi was the only driver so far to get points in every race outside of the top three. And this is the first time he did not score. Um, He was way back in the pack. He was... um, P14. Yes. So he didn't didn't score no points. Unlike you, most of the time he was barely scoring points. But he was still scoring points for a consistent driver. So now everybody has at least had four races... Um, scoring points. And now, well, everybody else had three, and Kimmy was the only one that has been doing four. And now the tides have shifted. And I don't know, maybe we had an overhype of the two, the Ferrari brand, the Ferrari 
and the Alfa Romeo. So testing was on this track, and this track actually would have showed how different are the other tracks compared to this one. And I think the European part of this, uh, the European leg of the season is going to be quite interesting with Ferrari just falling back. And um, the only person that's actually competing with them is uh, Red Bull. But unfortunately, they're not going to get constructor, I think, unless Gasly kicks it up a notch or gets replaced. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. (laughs) Right across the board. I think also another disappointment that really stuck out to me actually during qualifying most notably is Renault. Just literally nowhere with pace. Uh, I think that, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo ended up doing pretty well. He kind of squeaked in at P10, but he was barely squeaking in at each session. So I don't, I don't know how he eventually did it, but I mean, yeah, he got in at P10 on in qualifying, but Hulkenberg was back on P16 and Hulkenberg's not a bad driver. He's a very solid driver. And then race finishing was P, oh, what was it? P12 for Ricardo and P13 for Hulkenberg. Uh, 36 seconds off the leader for Ricardo after that safety car on lap 46, I think, or no, lap 50 or something like that. And so, again, another big disappointment is we really wanted Renault to start being the possible next, make the big three, the big four, and it looks like we're going to have to wait a few more years for that to happen, maybe when the new rule change happens. Yeah, so Renault was on my um, scope for disappointments, but not for the race itself, but the overall season. I was surprised how McLaren just took that year back. You know, they were pretty far back, and all of a sudden now they're at fourth place, and Renault's at eighth in the constructors. And they're, I, I got to give it to McLaren. Maybe they just had to hunker down, take the punches, and take the memes, and now they're accelerating. Williams, get the hint. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really, Williams get the hit. And I mean, another note on Williams is they were a solid 30 seconds behind at the end of the race from the next racer up, which was Antonio Giovinazzi. So, pourquoi? Like, there was a safety car at the end, and they were still 30 seconds off the pay, off the next driver up, a whole lap behind everyone else. Yeah, I think they had 15 laps, and somehow they s- fell back. Also, Giovinazzi is the only driver outside the Williams scene that has not scored a single point throughout the season. So I think Esteban Ocon is going to be getting a few phone calls from a few teams. I think, I think that there's some interesting things to talk about, but those are all my disappointments. Well, I think there's one big disappointment that we're going to hit in our rant off, but you have any other disappointments before we jump right into what you and I both want to rant about? Uh, not really. Um, that's about it. I got another rant. Well, disappointment, but it's going to be more of a rant. So let's go with yours first. All right, I'll lead off rant off since I've only got one rant this week. And it's a big disappointment, and it's Ferrari. First of all, we all expected them to come into this with some level of pace because they were the favorites after testing. And this is the track where testing happens. So why wouldn't you do well? And they've been trying lots of development changes to try and, to try and stay competitive. But I mean... Starting off, it just they weren't there really in free practice. One, it looked like there was maybe an outside chance, but I mean, because Sebastian Vettel was only a tenth off of Valtteri Botas and Lewis was really struggling, he was six tenths off of his teammate. So we thought there would be an outside chance. And then free practice two happened, and oh my gosh, uh, Hamilton suddenly found himself, and now Leclerc is three tenths back on 
Botas, and so now the Mercedes are 1-2, and then we're like, all right, maybe they'll find it in free practice three, and then free practice three happens, and Charles Leclerc is half a second behind the Mercedes. And Valtteri Bottas was also, but he had some issues, so that's why. So it was just sort of like they were nowhere with pace. And then you get to the frickin' race, and you're like, just... Like, you don't have to have good strategy. Just don't be idiots. Is that really too much to ask from a Formula One team? Is don't be idiots. And they can't even figure out which driver to let by. So as we were talking about how they lead, well, they started off the season with testing. Actually, random fun fact, uh, during testing, they were 200 faster than what they actually did in qualifying. Well, at least for Vettel compared to his uh, fastest lap during testing. And... um uh, Lewis Hamilton during testing as fast as lap was 116, um, 22.4. And uh, when he qualified, he was at uh, 116 flat compared to uh, Valtteri Bottas at 115.4. And uh, during his uh, testing, I don't know if he hunkered down even more, but he, uh, during testing, he was only at 116.561, which is quite interesting on how the development of not only – their engine, but more on their aero side, which Mercedes have been slacking and they had engine power. And now that Ferrari has engine power, they kind of let go of their aero. Yeah. And I mean, Mercedes is really showing good development throughout the season and Ferrari's taking steps backward. And the other thing is don't trip over each other. Like make a decisive decision. Leclerc, go by. Vettel, go by. Go, 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 go. Take the lead, run with it so we can you know, do better as a team, but instead they have these stupid little squabbles that cost them in my, uh, my back of the hand calculations, almost 30 seconds over the course of the race, if not more. And it's just like, why you don't need to be doing this. There is no fundamental reason to be just screwing up on this much of a level. I mean, when you had Massa and Alonso, you weren't screwing up on this much of a level. And I'll tell you why this is happening. This is one of the first times in recent Ferrari history where they have two drivers of equal talent. Because the last time was Massa Alonso, but Massa listened to his goddamn team orders when Fernando is faster than you. Do you understand? And Massa's like, fuck this shit. But he did it anyway. So, like... They don't have a structured one-two driver system, and Ferrari strategists don't know how to handle not having a one-two driver system. Yeah, and um, I know that Leclerc wants to, you know, show off, and it's his first year, and good for him. At the same time, not only do they have um, problems listening, they have uh, Sebastian Vettel. What if you look at what, how he performed under uh, the pressure when Ricardo came into the team when he was Red Red Bull, which has been a running theme of everybody talking about it. I'm just surprised on how he freaks out every single time in the race. I mean, if you look at the start of the race, there was no need to really send it like that. If I, And I mean, the commentator sort of talked about this. It was kind of instinctive the way he went to the outside. But if he just sort of braked a little earlier and then used off-corner traction and got around the outside after turn one, there was a better shot of it. And the more critical thing is he wouldn't have freaking ruined his teammate and allow in in the process so i just it bothers me juan you know what this the start reminded me of 
Oh no, what are you gonna say? What words? Singapore 17. No, we don't talk about that race. We don't talk about that race. That race does not exist in my memory at all. I don't understand. I don't remember a double Ferrari DNF at all on the opening lap. You would have enjoyed it if he caused a double DNF with Mercedes, though. The world would have enjoyed it if he caused a double. I'm just a supporter of the world, Juan. I support the world. But, I mean, you had rants, and I don't want to take up all of rant off. So what are your rants, Juan? Mainly, one of my dis, um, things I was actually confused about, or, you know, they have this uh, system that, you know, if they go off track, they're supposed to do this, uh, what was it, corner one of three, where they actually had to go around this, the bullards and the little sausage or the Verstappers, as some people call them. But Grosjean was just gunning it through there, which I was surprised he's doing. he had the balls to do that because he could mess up his suspension, i.e., that happened to... Uh, Verstappen, that's why they sometimes call it the Verstappers. And also, I would have surprised they would have like implemented some kind of speed limit, at least going if you go off track, you can't be going full speed for the sake of driver safety when you come back into the track, but also um, taking advantage because as you could see, he constantly went in front of Carlos Sign every single time he went off track. So actually, what they do when they do the decision to go around the bollard is they compare the time it takes to do that to racing line time, and those are actually the same. The reason he ended up constantly doing better than Science is because when Science went for a passing move, he decided to go off the racing line. So if Science had actually stayed on the racing line and that had happened to Grosjean, he would have um, won out in that scenario. But my thing more with the going off is I feel like Formula One makes it too complicated. Formula E is simple. You cut a corner, you must come to a complete stop before the next white line. And then once you have a complete stop, you may then continue. That's simple. Then you don't want to go off track because that is a fuck ton of time. Yeah, which, I, you know, I was thinking about that actually is a good idea. But at the same time, we want to see them going fast. But then it re- made me think it's like new rules. And people were talking about, you know, sh- having a way to actually pass. And why not have alternate routes as part of the racing uh, setup from now on? Because that's boring. And it's also, you can't do that at every track. Like, I mean, at the Kodas, the Chinas, the Abu Dhabis, and the Spains of the world, that's totally doable. At the Austria, the Hungaries, the Spas that don't have these fancy runoff areas with pavement, and it's just grass, gravel, and death, that's not doable. So, I mean, there's either one solution. You either have a uniform solution, or there's three different ways to go about this. There's the uniform solution, which is just um, if you go off, you do stop, like Formula E does. That's the uniform solution. The second one is uh, the second one is the uh, I'll go on a track-by-track basis, find the corners where they go off, mark them, and say, for these corners, we're enforcing this rule. The third option is on tracks where there are runoffs we're just going to have faith that the drivers aren't idiots and we'll we'll handle it on an incident by incident basis where it gets reported to us or on tracks where you don't have runoffs you perish when you go off track and i think formula one is still figuring out which one of these three tracks it wants to go on especially ever since liberty media comes in because since liberty media came in they're like no steward investigations and we don't like them i think one of the different things that Formula E, or Formula One has compared to Formula E is that Formula One actually has a diverse pool of different tracks versus where Formula E is all streets 
um, Formula One as your conventional track with all this weird setup, and then you have city, and then you have city slash track, because really, is Albert Park really a city (laughs) track or a track? Who knows? Whatever. We'll move on from there. But I think that's a new challenge that we're we're hoping they settle by 2020, because... Or 2021. And the other thing with the 2021 is that right now, as you noted, going over those bollards isn't really a huge issue because it didn't destroy suspension. But that's because the tire's absorbing a lot of the pressure because of the thickness. But remember, they're going to really thin tires where suspension's now going to be bearing a lot more of the load. So I bet those drivers aren't going to be trying that kind of crap then. So, I mean, you have any other rants, Juan? Because I'm pretty much done. As, as usual with the Formula One race, not a whole lot to talk about. Pretty much started with a Mercedes 1-2 finish with the Mercedes one too. So can we replace Vettel with Chadwick? Oh, <gasps> bring her in from the W series. We mentioned this in our weekly recap of mode of racing in this week in racing episode. We should totally do that. I'm a huge fan of this and I support it. And on that note, thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed the race. Come back on Thursday. We'll have our formula E post race from Monaco, which is an amazing race. It actually is an interesting Monaco race, unlike Formula One. So with that, my name is Mahesh. And this is Juan. And this has been another episode of Perfecting the Formula.